You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wonderful. Well, I hope you're doing well. Just give me a wave if you're doing well during these 21 days of prayer. That's so great to see. Uh, I hope online you're doing good. Also, I think we are at day 14. I kind of lose track, but we're, we're over halfway, but going strong. I want to say a couple of things just uh, before we dive into the message. Firstly, a huge thank you to those of you who prayed for us on Friday. Uh, we'd mentioned last week that we had a gathering here of prophetic voices from the AOG that Esther and I were uh, facilitating and hosting. And we had such a powerful day in the presence of God It was really amazing and just such a clear sense of the Lord speaking. And later that day, we met with the national leadership team and prayed with them, uh, had a powerful time and shared what we sensed the Lord saying. And it was incredibly well received and and helpful. And so I just want to say thank you for backing us up as we're in that space. It was really brilliant. Also, um, I feel I should say, because a few people have asked, on, on Monday, if you follow us on social media uh, CLM, you'll, you'll see that Esther and I were in London with Pastor Gerald Tam, who is taken over from Pastor Dom as lead pastor of Trinity Christian Centre in March. And it was his first time in the UK, and we had a chance to connect, and we took him down to London because he hadn't been uh, before. But some said, is Pastor Dom okay? And I want to say, Pastor Dom's absolutely great. Um, they've been planning this transition for some time. And uh, Pastor Gerald's part of his team. Everything's good. Esther and I are going to be out there actually in March during their Baton Pass service. Uh, the truth is, Pastor Dom carries a number of global portfolios. He's third in command for Assemblies of God globally and spearheads what is AOG's biggest initiative globally, MM33, which is the push to see a million AOG churches, which is really uh, tripling where we are now inside the next decade. And Pastor Dom is spearheading that. So he's handing over the reins of the local house. But everything is good, and uh, P. Dom will remain a mentor to us. uh, And a friend of CLM, he's going to be here in July. So uh, all is well. And uh, one real quick word, just to put onto your radar. This isn't necessarily one for today. Um, But if you've been engaging in 21 days of prayer, I want to encourage you this week coming uh, to just be thinking about what you have gained that you don't want to lose. Because what can happen, we can have a very focused approach to 21 days. Some of us, if we're doing a full fast that some of us are, we're going to break that next week. But there are some disciplines, some things, some things we've cut out and some things we brought in that actually when we hit day 22 and a normal life resumes, actually we don't want things to go back to how they were. We want to hold on to some things. And I encourage you this week to be thinking about that as you finish your fast. What are some of your new rhythms going to be, and uh, that will help us as we go forward. Well, today we're going to continue our journey in Ephesians. I am so enjoying this journey through Ephesians. I I hope you are also. And uh, we are so aware, uh, we are totally unable to do justice in any way, shape, or form uh, to uh, the book of Ephesians in covering two chapters on a Sunday. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones at Westminster Westminster Chapel famously took eight years to preach the book of Ephesians. Uh, On average, that was two-thirds of a verse per week. I've got to think I was part of that church. I'd be quite glad when we got to the end. Um, 
but, um, but we're kind of at the, really at the other end of the uh, spectrum and can't do this justice. But what we're trying to do is prepare us on these Sundays for the week ahead when using the daily verses, we can dig deeper personally. So we're setting the scene to orientate us and encouraging all of us then to be getting into these verses in the coming week, praying them through, grappling with them, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate them to us. Two weeks ago, we looked at what God has done for us, chosen before the creation of the world, adopted in Him, lavished with grace, saved and redeemed, raised and seated. This great God that has chosen you and redeemed you, saved you, purposed you. And then last week, Esther uh, moved on to chapters 3 and 4, looking at this great eternal plan of God, which was not just to save us as individuals, but to bring us in as part of an eternal work He is doing in the earth, reconciling Jew and Gentile into a church, into a body in the earth filled with His Spirit that will transform the world. And last week, we, we saw Paul starting to get a little bit practical of what it means to outwork our faith, what it means to live a life, as he says, worthy of the calling. If we think what God has done, how are we going to respond with our lives? But also, Paul is unpacking uh, still the plan of God in chapter 4. But by the time we get to chapters 5 and 6, where we are today, things are much more practical. I'm going to read first up from chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 21. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn there with me. Chapter 5 of Ephesians 1 to 21. It's also coming up on the screen. This is what the Bible says. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, and this is our key scripture for this week, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So we've just been praying. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. Now, now at this point, Paul then unpacks what it means to submit to one another and brings specific important uh, instructions to, to wives and to husbands, to parents and to children and to masters and to slaves, which, which I think we can look at today in the context of employers and employees and take the same principles. Now, I'm, I'm not going to, because of the scope of today's message, I'm not going to dive into these important verses, um, but they're not, because they're not well handled at a rush. But if you would like to uh, unpack them more, I would like to just point you back to a message that I preach on those verses alone, all the way back in 2017, but it's on our website, it's on our podcast. So if you were to go to salemchurch.co.uk forward slash podcast, just scroll down to a series we did then called This is Kingdom Living Part 6, and you can catch up there with um, Ephesians 5, 21 through to 6, 9. Today, we're going to pick back up, skip over those, and pick back up as Paul begins to draw his letter to a close. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me also, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul's in prison at this point. Pray I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so you may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are, that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Amen. So this is the book of Ephesians. In our prayer guide for this week, we've titled it Spirit-Filled, Strong in the Lord, Children of Light. Um, My title for today is is that, but it's also Get Ready. Get Ready, Spirit-Filled, Strong in the Lord, Children of Light. Because Paul is getting us ready. He's getting us ready in the knowledge that we are saved, redeemed, chosen, raised, and seated, and part of an eternal plan to outwork our part, to step into the good works he said earlier God prepared in advance for us to do, and to live spirit-filled, strong in the Lord, children of light. This is what God is doing. In a moment, we're going to come to the idea of children of light and this, this gorgeous phrase that is right there in the heart of chapter 5. But firstly, uh, I want to track over two things that we must get a hold of if we are going to live as children of the light. And the first is this, that we must be spirit-filled. Can we say that together? 
We must be spirit-filled. We've just read it, Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You see, God's plan was always for His church to be spirit-filled. It was not for us to try and do it in the flesh. It was not for us to try and do it on our own. This eternal plan that we heard about last week was a plan of a people filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you, you remember when Jesus commissions the disciples and he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And then he says, but wait here. Don't do anything, my paraphrase. Don't try this until the Spirit comes. But when the Spirit comes, you'll receive power and then you will be my witnesses. And so the disciples wait and they're in prayer. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out and they are transformed. And they're barely recognizable from the disciples in the Gospels when we step into the book of Acts. They have a new courage. They have a new anointing. They have a new sensitivity. They have a new selflessness. They are transformed by the Holy Spirit because this is God's plan coming into effect. This is what God has prepared for us. The old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross. Who, who remembers that? I don't know if you know that. I used to sing that in school assembly. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And, uh, but it says the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. What's it saying? It says don't trust in your own strength. Friend, you, you cannot live as a child of light inside this eternal plan of God for which he has purposed and predestined you without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to strengthen and help and empower and change. And so it says here, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now John Stott in his commentary helps us understand some linguistics. Some of you are into linguistics. This was helpful for me. And he helps us to understand the be filled in the Greek. Uh, there are four aspects of it. Number one, it's in the imperative mood. This means it is a command. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. He said, be filled with it. You must be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, it's in the plural form. This means it's to, it's to y'all. It's to everybody. This isn't to some. Those who are in leadership. It's to all, which is the whole region of Ephesus, all the believers. You all must be filled with the Spirit. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Thirdly, it's in the passive voice. This means it's not us that does the filling. It means we let the Spirit fill us. So our action is in the letting. As we heard on, on New Year's Day here, that the preacher helping us remember that when the temple in Jerusalem was consecrated and dedicated to the Lord, at that point he filled it. The Lord fills what is his. He fills what is prepared to him. He fills what is dedicated to him. Therefore, my action is in the preparing of my own heart in order that the Spirit would fill me. It's why I, I seek to pursue his presence and surrender my heart. It's why I prioritize the coming to, together with brothers and sisters because it helps me in prayer and in worship. It's why I I pray personally and daily engage with his word. It's why I'm careful with what I watch. It's why I attend to my own fire. 
It's why I intentionally speak in tongues a lot. And I watch the company I keep. Oh, that I might be filled with the Spirit. That He might want to come and fill what is His. And that's my encouragement to you. And fourthly, it's in the present tense. In the Greek, there are two kinds of imperative. One that requires a one-time action, like, like go to the shop. And one that is continuous and ongoing, like be kind to people. And this is the second type. It, he's not saying be filled once. He's saying be filled or the present continuous says be being filled with the Spirit. This is the injunction. All of you must be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I thank God that shortly after giving my life to Christ, I went on a youth camp and I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. It was a transformational experience. I encountered the power of God, the presence of God. The Holy Spirit came upon me and within me. I was caught up in a vision. I had this incredible experience. It was the most exhilarating experience of my life up to that point. But I thank God that it didn't stop with that. I have continued to be filled and filled again and again and again and again. You see, I talk about when I gave my life to Christ at 17 because it only happened once. I don't tend to talk about that because I am be being filled with the Spirit. And so we must seek to be being filled with the Spirit. You might notice in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are filled with the Spirit at Pentecost. But only in chapter 4, it says the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, well, they've just been filled, but they're filled again. This is what the Lord has designed for us. And here's why. Because without the Spirit... We're dry bones. Without the Spirit, carnality will creep in. Because without the Spirit, we aren't different enough to the world to really shine His light. So can I encourage us this week, as we get ready, we, we ready our hearts afresh that God might fill us afresh. We can seek Him daily and several times daily, but we would come, we'd come out of these 21 days with a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, if we're going to be effective children of light, we must be strong in the Lord. Can we say that together? We must be strong in the Lord. At the end of the book, we get to this incredible armor of God battle, and, and we, we get this amazing reminder from Paul that we are in a spiritual battle. He says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But, but get this in case it just passes over us. But this is you uh, against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of darkness, and, if that was not enough, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, we are in a battle. This eternal plan of God is not going uncontested in the earth, which means those who are a part of it are in a battle. We mustn't be afraid because the, promise, the promises in Christ are yes and amen. The Bible says, no weapon forged against you will prosper. But that tells me two things. Number one, there will be weapons forged. And number two, not one of them will prosper. But there will be weapons. And therefore, we have to learn to be strong in the Lord. If we're going to be children of light, if we are truly going to play our part as children of light in this eternal plan for which he chose you before the creation of the world, we must learn to be strong in the Lord. We must learn to stand firm in the fight. Church, we must learn to be resilient. I'm serious. Can I engage you for a moment? We must learn to be strong in the Lord. We're in a battle. 
I meet too many Christians who are the, the first face of opposition bail out. We have to learn resilience. And part of getting the victory is being resilient. Stand firm and it will pass and you will see it. We have to spiritually man up. And I've found myself, there's a, I've learned to, to put a resilience in my life. I can remember agreeing with some friends to, to meet at 6.30 in the, on a Monday morning uh, to pray. We've been talking about this for a while and we put it in place. And the day came we were going to start this weekly meeting, 6.30 in the morning. And, and the night before, the Sunday night into Monday, I woke up at 2 in the morning and, and let's just say, I, I was violently unwell. And at 4 o'clock I was violently unwell again. And at 6 o'clock, I got up and I got dressed and I drove in to pray. And I said to my friends, look, I've not been very well in the night. You stay at that end in case I've got something contagious. But I need the devil to know, because I believe this is opposition, it's going to be harder than this to, to stop me praying. And we prayed, and later that day, I was right as rain. And nothing stood in my way for meeting on a Monday morning after that point. But sometimes we, we have to rise up. We have to understand I was speaking to someone recently during 21 days, stepped up in a brand new way, and, and they'd face some opposition. Well, surprise, surprise. But stand firm and it will pass. Because no weapon forged will prosper. Almost always when Esther and I engage in a, a time of prayer and fasting, there is some manifestation of battle. Day one, a couple of weeks ago, I got there, and there were two emails landed in my inbox on that day that had the devil's handwriting. Well it, well, it was an email, so it was in the devil's font. And I don't mean Times New Roman. <laughs> I've come to recognize. He didn't sign it off himself, but I recognized who was behind it, and it changed how I responded. Things will kick off. Stuff kicks off when we step up. Let me say that again. Stuff kicks off when we step up. And one of our breakthrough seasons here at Esther, between the services, and, and, and this guy caught her and said, uh, oh, Pastor Esther, I've got something for you. And she discerned something wasn't right. And, and sure enough, out of a, a bag, he pulled out a crystal ball. And he said, this, this is for you to hear God better. And she said, thank you very much, but I hear God fine as it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, well, I brought it for you. I want to give it to you. She said, well, I don't want to receive it. Take it away. He said, well, give it to Pastor Martin. <laughs> she said, he doesn't want it either. He said, well, I'm leaving it here for you. She said, you take it off the premises or I will smash it. And he gave it to her. It was 11.29. The second service was about to start. Esther was leading the meeting. She's nowhere to be seen. So I step up, start the meeting. The band leads. Five minutes later, she arrives on the front row. I was like, where were you? So I was smashing a crystal ball in the church car park. <laughs> All in a day's work. Stuff they, stuff they don't teach you in Bible school. Friends, when we step up, things kick off. I love these verses in the message. And that about wraps it up. God is strong. And he wants you strong. So take everything the master set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials. Put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from. Forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued. 
so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so no one falls behind or drops out. Now the armor of God is, is worth its own sermon. But just briefly, let's look at these three things that Paul touches on. Number one, the belt of truth. Friends, we must walk in truth, which means we must tell the truth. It also means that when the enemy speaks lies to us, we refute them and we refuse to let them settle in our heads. The belt of truth and we replace them with truth. The breastplate of righteousness means knowing that we are made righteous in Christ. And when the enemy comes and accuses us, we can say we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It also means we seek to live righteous, live clean lives. The boots of the gospel of peace with feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That, friends, we stand in peace. That when fear and anxiety come, we recognize these are not from the Lord. And we stand, this gospel that we have been saved to is a gospel of peace. We have been saved by the Prince of Peace. And we're also ready to take this gospel to others. The, the shield of faith. Let me tell you, faith is a shield. Your faith will defend you. Keep your faith up. Be in the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, by the Word of God. Be in the Word because it will raise your faith. Keep your faith up. It will protect you. The Apostle of Faith, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, it, it's told, was, uh, was once woken in the night and sensed a dark presence in his room. And, and, and he looked up and he, he saw a, a dark being and he discerned that it was the devil himself. And he said, oh, it's only you, and went back to sleep. <laughs> Friends, we need faith. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The helmet of salvation. Remember, you are saved. You're saved unto eternity. It changes our perspective. And we need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the only offensive piece of equipment. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. And the Word of God is more powerful than most of us have realized. I remember when I was first in ministry, I was, I was working with a guy who was another minister, and, and we were praying for somebody who needed deliverance. It was a guy that had been horribly abused, and some things came up, and, and he was wrestling to get free, and we were praying for him. And during this session, the, the guy is actually on the ground. And I, I turned to my, I sensed in my spirit, I needed to read a particular scripture. And I turned to my friend, I said, I, I really sense in God that I need to read this scripture. And the guy on the ground goes, no! And puts his hands over his ears. So I said, we will most definitely be reading those verses. And it made me realize how terrified the enemy is of the word. The one thing those demons did not want was the word of God. We had to get the guy to cooperate with us, to get his hands off his ears, because we knew that he needed to hear the word of the Lord. It was part of coming to freedom. Let me tell you, when you declare the word of God in your household, you're not speaking into the ether. Estimate, I made a, a great point to me on, on Thursday, on our, our fire doors, on our doors here, most of them, we, we have door closures on the bottom. They're fitted, they're automatic. They, you, can, you can stamp them down, they keep the door open. 
But when the fire alarm goes, there is, a, there is a frequency that they respond to and they close. But often upstairs, when, when we worship, we hit a frequency in worship and the doors close. It's like that when we speak out the Word of God. There is a frequency that causes things to change. If you're praying over your children, if you're having a challenging time, declare the Word of God. There is a frequency that goes out that changes things. We have to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit. And all of these spirit filled, strong in the Lord, in order that we might be children of light. Can we say children of light together? God's eternally planned church, on fire, shining His light, bringing His kingdom, with every person playing their part. This is it. Jesus said one time, I am the light of the world. But He also said to His disciples, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In Matthew chapter 5, one of the key scriptures for us in this season is arise, shine. I want to say CLM, arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the earth, but the Lord rises on you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. When you're spirit filled, my brother, my sister, when you're strong, in the Lord, standing firm in battle, the Lord light comes through you as you minister His love, His grace, His compassion, His truth, His justice, His gospel, His power to those around you. And Paul says here, live as children of light. He says a similar thing to the church in Philippi, shine like stars in the universe. Friend, you, you were created before creation to be a light shiner, that the, the light of Christ would shine in you and would shine through you. This is what you have been chosen and adopted for. This is what you have been raised and seated for as part of God's eternal plan that we might be bringers of light. So what does it mean? Well, well, Ephesians doesn't give us neat categories, but there are some threads and themes. Firstly, children of light are holy. Holy. We are set apart. We are a set apart people. Holy means different, altogether other. Heaven cries, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Because there is none like our God. He is altogether different. And we are meant to be altogether different. Which is why Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. Why? Because we're called out. We're called out of darkness and into light. Let there be no greed. Let there be no lying or stealing or anger. Rather, and I love this, uh, chapter 5, verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, if you need a verse for this year, then take this one. Find out what pleases the Lord. That'll do you good all year. Put it on your fridge. Tattoo it on your brain. Find out what pleases the Lord. Why? Because your life might be the only Bible some people are going to read this year. And partly being holy, living up to this calling is how his light comes out. I remember a, a devastating occurrence in my first year at university. I was a, a young Christian. And in one sense, I got going really hard after God and I was zealous and I was sharing my faith. I was praying, but I, I also hit some wobbles. I'd not yet come to a place of stability and, and, and strength 
in the Lord. And I got some things wrong. I made some mistakes along the way. And I remember near the end of my year, a, a guy, there was a, and I'm not proud to say, but there was some sort of party in, in our, some formal party in our hall. And I, I had too much to drink and I didn't behave as I should have done. And the next day, someone came and spoke to me and he said, Martin, I'm, I'm really disappointed. Now, this was a guy who wasn't a Christian. And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, what, what's the matter? He said, he said look, he said, I, I grew up in church and I, I turned away from it because I thought they were all hypocrites. And he said, I, I've been watching your life this year because you seem to be someone who had something that was authentic. But I saw you last night and I realized you're just like all the others. I remember going to my room and getting on my knees and asking God to help me to never be in that place again. Some people are watching our lives that we have no idea about. Two weeks we finished our service thinking about Mephibosheth, who King David brought from Lodabar, that desolate, no-word place to the king's table. But let me tell you, he had to move. He had to, he had to move. And my friends, if, if we have sex outside of marriage or there is sexual immorality of some form outside of marriage, if we attend church on Sundays, but we're effing and blinding with our friends or in the workplace, if we live with addictions to pornography or other things and we destructive habits and don't seek help to be free, if we allow anger and bitterness and lies to be part of our lives like they're acceptable flesh, if we're careless about what we watch with, we're living in Lodabar when we've been seated at the king's table to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. If you, if you need help, then firstly, cry out to God. And if you need more than that, cry out to somebody else. Don't let the devil trap you into thinking you're the only person because you never are. And he'll try and isolate you. But friends, this is also why we need to be spirit-filled because he helps us in our struggle. He helps us move from darkness to light. He changes us from the inside out. It's why we need to be strong in the Lord, because the enemy will throw everything at you to stop you being holy. And we have to learn to stand firm. Secondly, children of light are humble. In chapter 4, where we were last week, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Let me say that again. Be completely humble and gentle. Now, why don't we say that together? Be completely humble and if in case we're not sure what that means it means be completely gentle and humble there's no ambiguity about that and we read through these verses the the verses we didn't touch on from chapter 5 22 through to chapter 6 9 the thread actually to husbands and wives and parents and children and masters and slaves is humility submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Friends, if we truly honor Jesus and respect him, then we will follow his own pattern of humility. The one who left the Father's side and humbled himself, made himself a, a servant in order that he might become obedient to death, even death on a cross. He washed the disciples' feet and he said to them, now go and do likewise. Serve one another. Humility is the kingdom way. And it's part of what confounds the rulers and the authorities because every other kingdom that's ever tried to come in the earth has tried to come by force. But the kingdom of God, which is the one that is coming and that will reign and that will reign over all kingdoms, it is coming through humility. Putin is trying to extend his kingdom 
through violence and manipulation. God is extending his kingdom through love and humility. And this is the kingdom way when we look to serve others and prefer others. Can I say to you, man of God, woman of God, don't jostle for position. In the workplace, don't, don't jostle for position. Act in humility. Let the Lord raise you up. You'll see people pushing for themselves and you'll see some of them get promoted. I know what it is like. Psalm 37 says, don't fret when people carry out their schemes and succeed. But delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the very desires of your heart. He'll lift you up. He has a way of lifting up the humble. I remember um, the, uh, a beautiful lady in our, the church we were part of in Nottingham called Jeanette. She was a sweet, gentle, humble person. Uh, professionally, she worked in helping people uh, get ready to come out of the care system. They're kind of 16, 17, 18-year-olds. And, and one time, uh, Jeanette was working with this young lady called Ellie. Ellie had been in care, the care system her whole life. And just in sharing a bit of her life, Jeanette had shared about how she'd gone on a trip uh, somewhere in the world, a missions trip in her church, uh, to an orphanage. And Ellie said, oh, I'd love to do something like that. And the Holy Spirit just said to, to Jeanette, make it happen. And she didn't say anything to Ellie, but, but she started to explore. Now, Jeanette, so you've got to understand, if you're taking people from the care system on a day trip to Skegness, you, like, you need 100 risk assessment forms. Trying to get her overseas to an orphanage. I mean, but, but amazingly, the doors opened, and they ended up going. And out there, Ellie's life was transformed because it was the first time in her life she hadn't been on the receiving end of care, feeling like a victim. She was there to bring strength to others. And it transformed her. And they came back and the story got celebrated within the council. And that year, the City Council Awards, the top award that they saved for the last of the awards evening was the Make a Difference Award, the one person that had stood out above all others. And Jeanette won it. And then the, the head of the council, who was another lady, she connected with Jeanette and they started, they kind of built up this rapport. And, and the head of the council started to invite Jeanette for, for wisdom and her thoughts and perspective on policy making and different things. And, and Jeanette found herself sitting at tables she wasn't qualified to sit at. Only he qualified her to sit there. She said, that year, Martin, we were in and out of the council house like we owned it, me and Ellie. Because God will lift up the humble. And thirdly, children of light are unhidden. I wanted another H. This was the best I could do. Um, unhidden. Unhidden. In other words, we must shine our light. Arise, shine. If your light has come, why don't the band come and help me? Don't you don't light a ham a lamp? Jesus says, and a, a ham. You don't light a lamp. Jesus says, and put it under a bowl. Instead, put it on its stand, and it gives light to the whole house. My friend, you were chosen before creation to be a light shiner. To shine your light for him. Spirit fills strong in the Lord, but shining your light unhidden. In Ephesians, Paul speaks to the children of light, says, make the most of every opportunity. And he has one prayer request for himself at the end, that he might proclaim Christ with, without fear. He says, as I should. He's not praying for release from prison. He's saying, pray that here in prison, I might preach this gospel for which I am in chains without fear. One of my top prayers these 21 days is, oh God, would you make me a personal soul winner in 2023? I am praying that. God, do not let another year go by where I'm not, 
I thank God for opportunities for preach, to preach from the pulpit and see people respond. But God, I, I don't want to let another year go by without I personally help somebody over from darkness into light. Make me a soul winner. My prayers, we'd be a soul winning church in 2023. We would have a season of salvations and a harvest of souls. And that as a church, we would step up. We would, we would be bolder than we've ever been. And the Lord would help us as we shine our light through some of the things we're going to do. As Chelsea spearheads our work into schools and we go, that we would bring light there. As we launch in three weeks' time our prisons team going into prisons. We'll say more about that. Every Wednesday, on our amazing food bank team, a brilliant here. Every Wednesday, opening up, people coming in, helping, serving, shining light. As we, by faith, send a team to Rwanda in May. Hundreds of us are part of the Go Weekend in June. That we would be those that shine our light. In six weeks' time, we've got probably the UK's premier evangelist, J. John, coming here. And it's going to be, and we'll say more about it, an amazing opportunity to invite friends to come and to hear the gospel. And we'll have a guest service here and believe for hundreds of people to find Christ. We're going to work out how we're going to fit everyone in, but that's, that's this week's problem. And then we're going to launch Alpha in person for the first time. I'm believing for scores of people to come as we prepare for CLM sites in other towns and cities. But can I say, moreover than the things that we might be doing in an organized, collective way, as each one of us shines our light in our places of work and study, our, our homes, our neighborhoods, our connections, that the, the light of Christ would shine through us. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is the eternal plan. This is the culmination of Ephesians. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, saved, raised and seated, spirit-filled, strong in the Lord, children of light. This week, let's get ready to be children of light. Can we stand together? My question as I finish is, will you get ready? As you study these verses this week in your personal times with God, as we pray in our triplets, as we gather at the prescribed times of prayer, as we get on our knees, will we prepare our hearts to be children of light, to be spirit-filled, strong in the Lord, children of light? Would you pray with me? God, would you help us? We thank you, Lord. You saw us before creation. You purposed us. That, Jesus, you went to the cross for us. You laid down your life for us. You bought us with the highest price in order that we might be part of your eternal plan. And not only that, but you've filled us with the Holy Spirit in order that we might be able to do it. We pray, God, let us be a Spirit-filled people. Let us be a holy people. Let us be a humble people. Let us be an unhidden people. Let us be shiners and bringers of light and life to the world, we pray. I wonder if you could just make yourself available, if you can say anything like amen to my prayer and just say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. Help me. Maybe there's a lot to work on and you're aware of that and some things that are in your mind right now. Just bring them to the Lord. But that posture of heart that says, Lord, help me to fulfill what you saved me for. Just pray where you are. 